Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we are glad. So, uh, people can be very happy and cheerful. Uh, it's almost too good. It's a dream come true and more than a dream come true. Happiness and cheer. But, laughter that is scornful and mocking is wicked and evil. Uh, Sarah once laughed when she heard as she was behind the tent screen uh, that she was going to give, conceive and bear a son. <laughs> she, she laughed in unbelief. And the angel of the Lord said, you did laugh. But then when Isaac was born, uh, he was given the name laughter, Isaac meaning to laugh. And uh, Sarah laughed, and uh, she was laughing then with the joy uh, of the birth of Isaac. It was a happy laughter. But in the same family, there was a scornful laughter. Because when uh, Isaac uh, was weaned and Abraham put on a special feast to celebrate that, Sarah saw Ishmael laughing. And that was a laughter of ridicule and mocking, a fleshly, wicked, evil laughter. and That's picked up on in, in the scriptures. Sarah is so angry at it, she says, cast out this bondwoman and her son. If he mocks at my boy, whom God has given to me, then there's no place for him. Abraham was pretty upset by that, but God said, do it. It's the right thing to do. Paul picks it up and says, well, those two are illustrations for us. One is the covenant uh, which leads to death and the other the covenant of life. One is of the flesh and the other is of the spirit. Isaac, laughter of the spirit. Ishmael's mocking laughter is of the flesh. It's wicked. So laughter is a good thing if it's holy and sacred and pure. It's a wicked thing if it is of the flesh and mocking at sacred things. And our text tells us, therefore be ye not mockers. And that's the message. Do not be mockers. The earlier part of the chapter uh, opens up what Isaiah is talking about when he's talking about mockers. He's saying, don't be like the people I've described from verse 1 to 21. And then the second part of our text uh, tells us what happens if you are a mocker. Thank you. I'm glad to hear it. Now therefore, be ye not mockers, lest your bands be made strong. For I have heard from the Lord, God of hosts, a consumption, a total destruction, even determined upon the whole earth. Don't be a mocker. Because if you mock at the things of Christianity, you will be bound. And you won't be able to escape. And there is a destruction of the whole world that's coming. That's what the Lord has told Isaiah and tells us through Isaiah. So those are the three things we're going to look at.
mostly looking at the characteristics of mockers and how not to be a mocker. And then very briefly at the end about the bans and the destruction that God has determined. What does a mocker look like? What does someone who mocks at Christianity look like? Well, Isaiah tells us at the beginning of the chapter, they are the people that are like uh, the cream that comes to the top of the milk. You know, the, the, um, the, the, you used to get the clear milk bottles, and you still can, I'm sure, and uh, the cream comes to the top. And the mockers are very often the people who reach the, the top of society, the cream of society, the, the, um, the rulers, the leaders, uh, the people who've made, made it a success or made a success of life. The crowning glory of the community. Verse 1. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower. They're the people who are the pride and joy of community. And if you speak in earthly terms, they are, they're glorious, they're, they're beautiful, the, the, the world admires them. They've, they've made it and they, they've been successful and there's, there is a beauty about them. And there are many people who uh, in society are pretty good people. If you're measuring by human standards, uh, they, they're quite lovely people, many of them, if you judge them by human standards. And they're conscious of it. And they, 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 they like to be uh, on the public display, as it were. They're people who know how to party. Uh, they can throw a party and they, they, the drink flows freely, uh, too freely for many of them. So often they are overcome with wine and strong drink. They may be religious people. Isaiah says that these drunken people, many of them are prophets and priests. And they are the people who are intoxicated, intoxicated with their success, intoxicated with their partying, glorious. But as the psalmist tells us and as Peter quotes him, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withers and it fades. Well, so all this outward splendor, all this outward pomp and uh, partying, it's all superficial, it's going to fade. It's not going to last. It cannot last. This glorious beauty is a fading flower. Although it's at the head of the fat valleys, it's going to be a fading glory. And what's the attitude of these uh, socially successful, uh, outwardly glorious and beautiful people? What's the attitude of these people? Because these are the, the mockers... They're unteachable as far as Christianity is concerned. You can't teach them Christianity. They won't listen. They'll laugh at it. It's all too simplistic, this Christianity stuff. It's not sophisticated enough. We've moved on. You know, it, it might be all right uh, for children's stories, but really we're grown up and we've outgrown 
Sunday school lessons. Thank you very much. And it really, in our opinion, they would say, they're not really suitable for children's stories. Children ought not to be taught that kind of stuff. They ought to be taught stuff that's in line with what we believe and feel. They can't understand the true message. It's all too childish. Isaiah asks the question then, if we can't teach these people, who is God going to teach? Who is going to learn the Christian message? And really, it's going to be people with a childlike heart. Because the Christian message, the message of God throughout the scripture is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. It's like as you would drip feed a child with little bits of information, little bits of information. That's how God has to speak to us. You know, if he spoke to us uh, at his level of intelligence, <coughs> we would, uh, wouldn't stand a chance of understanding anything. So he, Kelvin says it's like a, a father or a mother uh, stooping and talking baby language to his child. I was listening to a CD uh, as I was traveling not long ago. Uh, Derek Thomas, he was saying he was uh, on a, a WhatsApp call to his three-year-old grandchild in an airport. And he was talking to this three-year-old in baby language in the airport. He was sort of looking around and thinking, this is embarrassing. <laughs> sort of speaking down to this child. But God has to do that. He speaks to us in very simple ways. But the mockers say, we don't want stuff uh, drip-fed to us. We don't want this message, uh, line upon line, precept upon precept. We don't want that. They're unteachable. They're dismissive. They're intoxicated with their sophisticated way of thinking. And so, do not be a mocker. Do not be someone who doesn't have a childlike heart that's ready to listen to the Bible message simply explained. Precept on precept, line on line, here a little, there a little. Have a childlike mind to receive it. Not an arrogant mind that just brushes it aside and says, none of that, thank you very much. In verse 11, uh, we read of God's judgment on the mockers. And this takes us into the, the New Testament. Because the people have rejected this uh, simple message that's to be received with a childlike heart, God says to them, with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. Since they don't want me to talk to them, as it were, uh, on a simple level, and they've rejected that, then I will speak to them through a language they can't understand. Now, that is fulfilled in the New Testament with the expression of the gift of tongues. On the day of Pentecost, the people spoke with tongues, 
it was very remarkable, but it was people from other countries that listened to the apostles speaking the wonderful works of God in their own language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia, Libya and Syria, all these different places. And they weren't speaking Hebrew or uh, Aramaic. They were speaking in these foreign languages. It was a sign to the Jews. The Jews who had rejected the plain, simple teaching of Jesus. It was a sign. Paul uh, picks it up in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 21, when he's talking to the Corinthian church about speaking in tongues. He says, you shouldn't get so excited about tongues as if uh, that's a, a, the, the acme of uh, Christian living. He said, Tine, tongues, he says, are given as a sign to the people who don't believe. It's a warning to them. It's a warning because you haven't received the straightforward teaching, God is going to speak to you through a language you can't understand. It's a sign not to believers, but to unbelievers that they should have listened in the first place to a straightforward teaching. Now they can't hear and understand because God is speaking to them through people speaking in tongues. It's, it was a judgment. And then, verse 12, verse 12 tells us the message which the mockers refuse. So don't refuse this message. The message they refuse. It was said to them, this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. Oh, we don't want that message of rest. We don't want that message of refreshing from God. But those are exactly the messages which are central to the gospel. You remember, uh, that these are the the invitations of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's exactly what Jesus Christ was uh, teaching the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious re leaders, the people who were mocking him. Matthew 11, verse uh, 25, it picks up beautifully on what Isaiah is saying. The Lord Jesus Christ uh, in prayer to his Father. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you've revealed them unto babes. You've hidden them from those sophisticated people, the, the priests and the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees. You've hidden it from them, and you revealed it unto babes, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me, of my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. Neither the, does anyone know the Father except the Son, and to whom soever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me. Come unto me, all of you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. See, Isaiah says the message they mocked at was rest. Heaven's rest. Come unto me, Jesus says. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Are you weary with the guilt of some sin that's committed? And the sophisticated world would say, don't, don't trouble yourself. 
just uh, forget it. Nobody's bothered about those kind of things anymore. But your conscience is bothered by it. And Jesus has come to me. All of you who are weary or heavy laden, I will give you rest. The Pharisees would have said, well, if you've got some troubled conscience, then if you take, if you come to our school, as it were, take our yoke upon you, you can learn from us and uh, we'll sort it out. They wouldn't sort it out. What would, they, what would their yoke be like? It would be like a heavy yoke. Do this, do this, do this, do this. When you've done that, you can do this and do this and do this. Every rule in the book they would throw at you and laid upon you. Jesus has come to me. Me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. First lessons will be Meekness and humility. Because I am meek and lowly in heart. And when you start learning humility and meekness, then you will find rest for your soul. Instead of being so arrogant and thinking, uh, I can uh, satisfy God, I can uh, sort the relationship out between myself and God. When you take the yoke of Jesus upon you and learn from him, you will learn meekness. You will learn to come to God in humility. You will learn to come to God as the guilty sinner. Confessing your sin. And as you are yoked to Jesus, you will learn what he did in his meekness. Remember that wonderful song in Philippians uh, chapter 2. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That though he was uh, God in the form of God, yet he humbled himself, became obedient, took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient even unto death. This meekness of Jesus. Come to me, Jesus says. Learn of me. And you'll learn something of what it is to, to be humble and submissive to God. The mockers say, no, no, no. I, I'm not going to submit to God. I'm going to impress God with how good I am, how great I am. How, if he can't be pleased with how wonderful I am, then, then, well, you'll never get rest that way. The only way to find rest is to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. To humble yourself and learn from Jesus. But it was the message of rest which the mockers refused. And the, the message of refreshing. You know, Jesus could say on the, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, John 7 uh, records it for us. He stands up on the last day of the feast. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. So a celebration feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, they were celebrating the journey through the wilderness and how God looked after them. And uh, there was a daily procession through the feast, uh, festival week, of bringing water from the, the pool of Siloam and pouring it out. And on the last day, there was no procession. Jesus stands into the gap, as it were, and says, you really want to know 
where the refreshing water came from in the wilderness. The rock, what was that a picture of? The rock that was smitten to give people refreshing water or their wilderness journey. It was a picture of me. I'm the rock. If anyone thirsts, if anyone is spiritually thirsty for living water, let him come to me and drink. The, the woman at the well found that out, didn't she, in John 4. He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. The spirit is what Jesus was talking about. The mockers of this world would say, no, no, no. We don't want to be uh, humbled by God. The, the whole message today is assert yourself. Uh, be assured of yourself. Don't let anything humble you. No, 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 no. You've got to build yourself up. Don't say, let anyone say anything derogatory about you. Don't let anyone say you're a guilty sinner. No, no, no. Out with that. That's ridiculous, monstrous Stuff from the past. But Jesus says, no. The only way you'll find rest for your soul is to become meek and lowly and learn from me. And you will find rest for your soul. The world would say, we, we don't believe in the spirit anymore. We, we, it's all mysterious superstition, that. But... <laughs> There's a reality of evil spirits as a reality of the Holy Spirit. And he is the comforter. And the message is there's rest and refreshment from God. And yet the mockers say, no, no, we don't want that. Are you a mocker? Would you mock at the Christian message? Would you reject the message of rest? From Jesus, eternal rest. Peace with God that nothing can shatter. Would you mock at that? Spiritual life, refreshment. Through the smitten Lord Jesus, eternal life by the Spirit. Would you mock at that? Don't be a mocker. Well, how, how could these people afford to, to mock the message of Isaiah. How could they afford to mock the message of Jesus Christ? Don't be mockers. How could they do that? Well, they uh, thought and they claimed to have reached some kind of agreement with death. Verse 14. Wherefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, that rule this people which is Jerusalem. Because you have said, we've made a covenant with death and with hell are we in agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come to us. We've made lies our refuge and under falsehood we've hid ourselves. They've got this strange notion that death is not going to touch them. They've reached an agreement with death. If you go into a number of undertakers, reception offices, you may see a, a plaque on the side. A little poem from Henry Scott Holland, 
saying, death is nothing at all. I've only slipped away to the next room. Don't worry about death. It's nothing at all. You might read poets who think, well, it, to die is nothing except to join the dance of the universe. When your elements are joined to the earth, when you melt into the sun, you, you'll join the dance of death. It's wonderful. They're mocking at the reality of death. The Roman emperor, who was a Stoic philosopher, Marcus Aurelius, said, Death smiles at us all, and all man can do is to smile back. There's no foundation to these wishful thinkings about death. It's a pack of lies, it's a house of cards. And it would all collapse. Isaiah says it's going to collapse. Even they knew it was a, a refuge of lies. We've hidden ourselves under falsehood. Deep down we know <laughs> we're being ridiculous. But we'd rather trust these stupid notions that we've come to terms with death than believe your message, Isaiah. We'd rather believe these poems and these artists and these philosophers than believe the message of the Bible that death is God's judgment on sin and there needs to be a deliverer from that judgment there's no way that men can make some covenant with death and escape there is a refuge that will not collapse there is a saviour from death and it's the Lord Jesus Christ and he is the one that we are to run to the text tells us there in verse 16 thus says the Lord God behold I lay in Zion a foundation stone a tried stone a precious cornerstone he that believeth on him shall not make haste now we've seen, haven't we, uh, destruction of floodwaters as they sweep through. And Isaiah is saying, you know, your refuge of lies, it would just be swept away. And you won't be able to run fast enough from the trouble that's coming. But God has laid in Zion, the eternal heavenly city, a foundation stone that if you stand on it, if you stand on him, because the stone is a person, if you stand on him, you will not need to run. You will not need to flee. Because this foundation stone is tried, it's tested, it's proved, it's precious, it's sure. Everything that Satan could throw at him he threw at him, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus knew that this uh, passage was talking about him. And other passages about the stone. Satan threw everything he could at Jesus, but Jesus stood the test. The weight 
of trillions of sins, of billions of people were laid upon Jesus Christ, but he didn't crack under the weight. The full flood of divine justice was poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ. All the punishment for all the sins he was bearing was poured upon him. A flood tide of judgment, and yet this cornerstone withstood it all and broke forth triumphant, rising from the dead. I have laid in Zion, I've laid in the eternal city a foundation stone, which is a true defense against death, a true defense against the judgment of God, a sure foundation. Don't mock at him because he is the one to be trusted. He that believeth on him shall not, not make haste. Don't be a mocker. There's a glass of water here. Good. Jesus is the, the great refuge, and he that believeth on him will not be put to flight. So are you a mocker? You've got some agreement with death, have you? Who signed the agreement? Did the hand of death come uh, into your little uh, room and say, well, let's reach the agreement and I'll sign it and you're all right? <laughs> you might as well throw it away. It's a refuge of lies. Have you come and trusted upon Jesus Christ? Are you trusting him? You feel the security of the one who's conquered death. Do you feel him? Do you come to him like a little child? Trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and safe in him. Well, that's the place to be. Isaiah says, Be ye not mockers. Don't join this... Uh, crowd of uh, socialites who've reached the top of society and are glorying in their human uh, pleasures and dismissing the Christian message. Two warnings. Lest your bands be made strong. Jesus told a parable about a man who dismissed the return of his master and lived as if his master was not going to come back. When the master came back, the Lord Jesus Christ in the parable said, bind him, hand and foot. He wasn't going to be able to undo those bands. He'd be cast away into outer darkness. Don't be a mocker, lest your, be, your bands be made strong. You won't be able to escape. And don't be a mocker, because, Isaiah says, I have heard from the Lord God of hosts himself a consumption, a total destruction, even is determined upon the whole earth. There is going to be an end of the world. God has determined a day when this world will finish. Peter uh, speaks about it when he uh, writes about the mockers 
uh, in the last days. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. And we'll close with uh, reading this and just urging you to flee to Christ. 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away and with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening to the coming day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. Don't be a mocker. Be a believer. A believer in Jesus Christ. This cornerstone, this rock, foundation of the eternal city is the only place of refuge. He that believeth in him will not make haste. When the earth is overwhelmed with the determined consummation, he will keep his people safe. I trust that you will all understand you cannot dismiss the message of Jesus Christ. You dare not mock at it. You dare not be intoxicated with the message of the world that dismisses Christianity. Because God has sent Jesus Christ to be the Savior. It was by his being rejected, he became the foundation stone. And he, everyone who trusts in him will be safe. May we all be trusting in Jesus. Uh, that's all we need to do. Trust in him. Amen. We need to join and sing together hymn number 702. O oh, safe to the rock that is higher than I, my soul in its conflicts and sorrows would fly, so sinful, so weary, Thine, thine would I be, thou blessed rock of ages, I am hiding in thee. 702.
and Father, we thank you for laying in your eternal heavenly city the foundation stone, your Son. We pray that each one of us may believe upon him and know him to be a sure refuge that will never, ever fail or disappoint any of us. Lord, grant us to rest in him and as we learn from him, may we go on meekly and humbly before you and be to your glory. For we ask in Jesus' name.